That's what this place was built on. That's what our community is founded on. Don't act like the example, just be the example. This is the home of the greatest fitness community in the world. We're trying to create strong, able bodies, resilient to injury with a gas tank to get shit done. If there's one thing from this podcast it's about taking media action, find the problem, fix the problem, this is your opportunity. It's either a hell yes or a fuck no. It's that simple. <laughs> now is the time to take action. Now's the time to do more and be more. All right, welcome to the Tango One Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Smith, retired SWAT team leader, the owner of the Garage Gym, and I'm here to encourage you to take action on your weakness, encourage you to do more and be more. Today, I'm bringing on the show my first guest of 2022, and I have been looking forward to this since the end of last year. Uh, This is today, we got Sean Bacon. He's the president of Dynamic Shift Consulting. He's a former Canadian Armed Forces veteran. Uh, where he served as a military policeman, a paratrooper, an instructor, and a leader. He is an expert in mental toughness, leadership, psychological resiliency, and body language. Uh, He's also trained soldiers in law enforcement to perform at elite levels of success and to thrive. Uh, He also has become a a mentor of sorts to me as I've uh, reached out to him. We were able to connect through a mutual friend and uh, kind of just taken to each other. And he's really taken me under his wing and and it's helping me to grow kind of the consulting business that I am looking to aspire. So I was super excited, super stoked to have you here, Sean. So thanks for coming on. Real pleasure. Looking forward to it. So Sean's coming to us all the way from Victoria, right? Right on the island. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do this. So tell us, like, let's just go right off. I want to, you know, cover anything from your consulting business to leadership mindset. And, uh, you know, people are always interested in a good uh, military or police story. So we'll probably, I'm sure, get there too. But let's just start right there, right with that dynamic shift consulting, exactly what it is you do, what the platform is, and maybe just explain, and maybe you'll get a couple of uh, calls out of this. Oh, uh, we specialize in mental toughness, leadership, adversity. Uh, you don't know what kind of leader you are. The real litmus test of a leader until everything goes completely wrong, uh, until there's a crisis. That's your real test as a leader. You don't, you're not tested when times are good. And every good leader, every great leader I remember that influenced me were in those times of chaos and ambiguity and crisis where they had to really elevate not only themselves, but their entire team to perform at a new level. So that's what we do. Uh, I leverage my experience and my past, both in the military and law enforcement, in educating people to push past their boundaries. Uh, A mindset is the engine for action. Okay, Uh, when I think of mental toughness or adversity and someone that really stands out for me as the role model uh, for this kind of genre, it's Terry Fox. And it's interesting because I've done many, many uh, facilitations and workshops and talks in the States, and I have to explain who Terry is. And, you know, here's this young man at 20 years old in the 80s, and he ran a marathon every single day for 143 days on one leg to raise awareness for cancer. Now, if that isn't the model for rising beyond yourself and going past your means and being resilient 
being mentally tough, caring and being passionate about what you do. And for those who you serve, there's no better human being in my opinion. So that's what we bring to the table. We educate, we give people the practical tools to lead at a different level, to perform at a different level. Uh, Terry Fox is, uh, I love that you brought that up. My kids, I, I've told you they're homeschooling and we just covered Terry Fox not that long ago. And, you know, and they don't quite understand the the magnitude of like what you just said, you know, to run a marathon every single day, but basically, and, it, and on one leg, like it wasn't like he was running, you know, like he's a, a Kenyan Olympian runner. He, you know, he's, he's taking a long time to do that. And uh, some of those stories from, him is just is just wild and incredible what you can do and how much your body can take if you really have the mindset to to kind of go after it i was reading something you have on your crest is the uh the spartan helmet or the gladiator helmets and uh you know the spartans i was reading something about that and it's like you know we see the stories and they're so glorified and, and you know and rightfully so in a lot of ways but things that they don't talk about is these guys walked for like two years they walked on wooden shoes carrying like this massive shield a sword you know and yeah. eating whatever it's to, to go to war for eight months and then walk all the way home like yeah. that is that's crazy and we feel like we can't even handle being you know locked inside of our houses for a, a year yeah, i know right uh and the thing i the reason i chose the spartan helmet especially with the scar and and there's a lot of veterans that that use it so it's not a really an original idea but conceptually speaking it's a society of warriors and to be a warrior a warrior serves their community they're a servant to something greater than themselves so every man woman and child in a spartan culture were warriors like you really want to talk about everyone on one playing field that's it and that and to have that communal mindset that everyone's in it together and we're and if you look at now the, the disparity, the polarization of attitudes, you're either with us or against us, and or being the, the center point word of just being a tyrant, you know, when we need an and. And if you look at Spartans, they were and people. Okay, we're, we're going to take a young person, and we're going to train them to be more. Okay, we're going to take this entire family, and we're going to tr train them and educate them to become complete. And the scar on the helmet is because that's what it takes. You, you learn through your, your scars, your emotional scar tissue, your mental scar tissue, your physical scar tissue. And what's the common thread right now is that we're trying to overprotect our culture. We don't, please don't do that. You might get hurt. No, 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 don't touch that. You, you might get dirty. No, 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 get dirty. Get the scar tissue. Learn from those wonderful failures and mistakes. And that's what the Spartans did really bloody well. Just my opinion, of course. Yeah, but a valued opinion. That's why you're here. <laughs> uh, did you, have you ever read the book uh, Gates of Fire by Pressfield? Is it Gates no. of Fire or Gates of Hell? It is. That is my favorite book of all time. Uh, Stephen Pressfield, it's either Gates of Fire or Gates of Hell. Uh, it is just outstanding. It's a Spartan story. It's a little hard to read because it's a uh, not whatever the language, not Gaelic, but you know that like it's kind of like a funny uh, English to it, so it gets tough. And the, and obviously the names are like you know like Greek names that are you know uh, thirteen <laughs> syllables long, but it, it's hard to keep up. But once you get into that book, I'm telling you, you would love it. You're going away. It's a good traveling book. I might be able to send you a copy. I think I have a fresh one here. I would love that Somewhere. absolutely. I'm always interested in. I'm a lifelong learner, so I'm I'm a voracious reader. So uh, yes. as you can tell behind me. So <laughs> yes. Um, 
So you're talking about leadership. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm watching our prime minister and he has made a couple of fatal flaws in the last, you know, I mean, I mean, you're going to make mistakes as a prime minister. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes to get to, but the, uh, a couple of fatal flaws I've seen, you know, the one denouncing the, uh, you know, whatever he made the fringe minority, but also denouncing the, the opinions of the people were unacceptable. Like that is like the, when you're a leader, I do, I, I'd love to hear your take on this, but it's like, everything that is said needs to be like from your team and like essentially he will never know his whole team of the whole country is his team everything needs to be like heard and considered you know and i think that was the fatal flaw and then obviously evacuating leaving the ship you know like captain's never supposed to leave his ship and leaving the ship was is something else like i understand the security behind it however man i i just think that those are a couple of fatal flaws that you are i don't know how you recover from that what's your what do you think on that well in terms you know, of I business, don't, we don't have to talk about him in terms of just yeah, the yeah, leadership. Yeah, just in terms of leadership, like first and foremost, I don't know what it takes to be a prime minister. So yeah, I'm yeah. not going to speak on that point. However, but just basic Tax everybody. That's what I learned. That's what it is, right? <laughs> um, but here, here was this great opportunity as a leader to galvanize a country. Mm. Here's this a tremendous opportunity to turn the tide and to do something courageous because the antithesis of fear is not courage. Courage is what you do in the face of fear. The opposite of, uh, of fear is curiosity. And there is this great opportunity to create curiosity, to hear differentiation of opinions, to consider them in earnest. And even if you still disagree with them, you took the time to actually engage and listen and respect. Okay, you're angry. We acknowledge it. You're angry. Let's talk about it. Let's get to the table. Show that you're willing to at least engage. And any leader, um, especially leaders that are fearful of either failure, fear, fearful of opinion, uh, fearful of, uh, well, their, their ego is in the way or they're in their own way. How many times have even, like, it doesn't matter who you are, we all get in our own way from time to time and our lens is uh, really skewed our, our bias. However, Here's this tremendous opportunity. One thing the pandemic has shown us is that a massive failure of leadership globally. We, there was inf we were talking about misinformation and disinformation, yet very few people understand what those really are. There was just a ton of information and not a lot of actionable information being passed on to the masses. And that's what a great leader does. It does two things. One, it communicates really well. And the number one... Uh, benefit of communication is listening. The second is the influence. Leaders influence people. I mean, the, in my opinion, I, I didn't know him personally, obviously, I'm too young, but Churchill took an entire country that was being bombed off the face of the planet during World War II and galvanized them. He took this great opportunity that people were scared and hungry and pissed off, and he galvanized them. Now, any, you can have your opinions about Churchill, but you can't take that away. That's, that is a really good example of taking a crisis and leveraging it to the benefit of the masses versus becoming, creating a vacancy, create, showing people that you're disenfranchised, don't care. Because that's actually what a lot of people are, and what I'm hearing from a lot of people is that's how it appears. That's how they feel because of what has happened. So I think this was a great opportunity lost. And 
now we're starting to see actual leaders step up from a variety of different political spectrums, from a variety of different, um, not even politics, just different social spectrums, actual leaders coming together going, how do we make this right? Now pay attention to those people because they're the ones that are going to create the change. They want to create action and solution. They're not the problem they acknowledge, but they're more focused on that solution. That That's my 25 cent opinion. No, I, I love that. I think you hit on a couple of huge things. I, I actually just did a talk about leadership. And one of the top things that, that I brought up in, in my points is that uh, leadership is influence. Like leadership is derived from influence. It's not and influence comes from person to person contact. Right. Like that's those are the two, in my opinion, the two biggest keys to getting people to believe in you and to, you know, necessarily sometimes like, you know, when you run a tactical operation, not everybody on the team truly believed 100 percent that there wasn't another way to do this. Like we yeah. all every, everybody there had a great idea, but we all need to go in one direction. Right. And so taking listening, considering shifting if needed. And then, yeah, I think like a lot of my biggest faults as a leader, like, or my biggest failures that have come has been when the ego does get in the way. And a lot of time that ego is just being so married to your plan. So, you know, this is an obvious one, but if we had a breach point, we're bashing at the door, bashing at the door, the door's not going in, you know, with every <laughs> swing of the door, you know, every swing of that door, we are losing confidence. The team is losing confidence in my plan. And you want to, as you know, ego, just keep hitting, keep hitting rather than, okay, let's contain, let's find another breach point. Let's, you know, back off whatever it might be, but that's, I find has always been, and, you know, and then being a follower at, you know, the police department, when you're being led by people is watching that happen too. Like continuing to go about that plan when it is clearly not working is just, you lose the troops so quickly and, and you lose yourself because you like, and then it becomes even harder to turn around. The further you get in, the harder it is to, to make that right-hand turn. Right. Yeah. I believe it was Colin Powell that said, you know, a great leader is not the smartest person in the room. They know how to leverage the smartest people in the room. And they're not tied to a plan. Like they have ABC, you have plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But your ability to shift gears fluidly through your your plans, you know, your all your contingency and tertiary plans, that tells your troops, okay, look, it didn't work. What's next? But when we do get tied in, when we do get in our own way. Uh, we, the, bl the blinders come on. And what's that old saying? You can't see the forest for the trees. Well, sometimes we get, we can only see bark or that close to the damn tree. And sometimes you need the courage of a follower to step up as leader going, okay, boss, uh, what's our next plan? Yeah. And, and just that one question can go a long way to disengage that ego and go, right, this isn't working let's go to plan B or, you know, cause let's face it, plan A, plan A never survives first contact with the enemy ever. Okay. Plan A is typically going to fail 99.99% of the time, but it's important to engage in it. It's important to listen to the troops. It's important to also leverage in real time. And sometimes you don't know you're in your own way. Uh, and it takes someone with a bit of courage to say to you, Hey, <laughs> we need a new plan like ASAP, like yesterday. Got it. Yes. Yes. Uh, and the best thing you can do as a leader is, okay, what do you suggest? Yeah, exactly. Because you know what? You've kind of lost yourself. You, you're, yeah. you know, you're also like, there's the, the, the mental part of that thing where you've like, you just got punched in the gut and you know, you need a minute <laughs> to kind of get yourself back together. So having that, like that two IC or that trusted uh, 
team member to say like, Hey, like you said, Hey, this isn't working. What do you want us to do now? How about this? Like presenting a problem instead of just presenting the problem, present the solution and everybody's exactly. mindset goes towards that solution right away. And you start to, to operate that high capacity. And like you said about leading during chaos. And, and I think that's really where you're, where you really earn your stripes, but mm. practicing that communication, fostering the culture where somebody has, you know, uh, somebody who by rank might be lower than you has the confidence to speak to you in that manner ahead of time so that now when you're in that most stressful time like if you can make good decisions in the easy times and you can have good communi communication the easy times well when it comes down to stress it'll still be more effective if you don't have it during the easy times you certainly will not have yeah. it during chaos 100 percent concur uh and there's a reason why we train the way we do in repetition rehearsals uh because we know something's going to go wrong and we want all our responses to literally be in real time. We don't want to sit there and hesitate and go, ah, ah, crap. What were we supposed to do again? There's a reason why our training. And this is also the value of great training. The, your training should be twice, three times, four times more difficult than the real scenario. Because when the real scenario hits, it's going to be twice as unpredictable. However, if you've trained for it with that intensity and that intention, you're right. You've now trained more than your body and more than your tactics. You have trained your mindset to not get attached to the micro failures that are happening. And that's why you look at elite level units, elite level athletes, elite level anything. They have that one quality to both be agile and consequential. People can be agile all they want. They can, oh, well, we're pivoting. Yeah, but a leader that pivots too often looks like they're too random. They don't have a clue what they're doing and no one has any confidence in them. But when you are agile and consequential, that what you're shifting to is going to have a positive, powerful impact. The whole team buys in. And that ability to foster culture that, that you look at any elite level team, there's a culture, an attitude, a mindset that encourages more adversity. It encourages, they have a humor about it. They have this passion and this drive. When it's raining, they show up with a big smile on their face going, is that all you got? Okay, let's have some fun with it. But it's fostered every single day. There's a consistency and if people, I once got asked, you know, how do I boil down mental toughness? And my business mentor asked me this on a webinar. <laughs> Can't remember who, how many people are on the, Sean Bacon, define mental toughness. Follow through, consistency. That's mental yes. toughness. You know what, that can is talk such about a it. simple, but like great, that's a great description. You did that on the, like on the, on the fly or did you? Yeah, uh, I had to, I had to, I was put on the, I was good. put on the spot and I was like, crap. <laughs> so that's pretty damn good. I mean, consistency, you can, how many ways can you boil down that mental toughness with consistency being one of the, and what was the, the first one? Sorry. Follow through, follow through. Yeah. I mean, look, look at even like, we're about to start a nutrition challenge in the gym consistency cool. and follow through. Like if you have that, you yeah. win, man. If, if you have that in fitness and martial arts and like, you know, yeah. uh, even anything in business, your relationship, consistency yeah. and follow through. Holy crow. If I did that more often, I'd be like, even a, <laughs> <laughs> and my wife's gonna listen to this one like oh hey idiot. <laughs> yeah cool. this might come back to haunt you man yeah 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 um, but it's true though 
I mean, okay, what's the number one thing we get pissed off with people are? They say something and then don't execute, right? They're yeah. a dog without teeth. Um, excuse the metaphor. But that follow-through is your credibility. Your follow-through is your integrity. Integrity, doing what you say need... you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, Exactly. Right? People don't need to like you to respect you, okay? And I guarantee you, in my career, being, Sean Bacon being liked is, was not high, <laughs> or was it high on my priority? However, people knew I was going to follow through. If I said it, it was going to happen. Good, bad, or indifferent. So I was very careful what I said, because now I have to follow through. Okay? So it makes you mindful of your promises and your threats. So you say nothing, you promise nothing, you, you, you threaten nothing, unless you're going to follow through with it. The consistency part's just discipline. Your investment, when because it's easy to do something once and say, hey, I did, I did a marathon. Think yeah. back to Terry Fox, 143 of them. Okay, that consistency of that one step ahead of the other. Uh, I, there's a running joke with one of my clients. Uh, I, I talk about taking a cold shower every morning. And I do, I take a cold shower every single morning. Same here. And, you know, and I understand the benefits of it physiologically and, uh, but the benefits of it psychologically. And he said, why would you do this? And I went, well, I hate it. What? <laughs> okay, wait a minute. That didn't compute. And it's, and I get under, I understand why it doesn't compute because I make a choice to own something that makes me very uncomfortable. I make a choice to own that moment. And that sets the series of moments throughout the rest of my day. I take ownership of the things that would otherwise have ownership of me. So by making that one choice, standing in the stream, it's cold, and then a weird thing happens. The moment I take ownership of something, it stops being a problem. Yes. But when you try to survive something, now survival mindset's selfish. You hoard information, you silo, you try to just make it through the next two minutes. And you've probably seen this in people that you've trained with. Is, okay, I really hate burpees. The purgatory of every trainer. <laughs> How do I just get through these burpees? Instead of just when you shift gears psychologically to own something, it stops sucking. Yes. Yeah, you know what? I, it's funny with the uh, cold showers. I've been becoming to this a uh, little bit of realization. Obviously, there's the physical benefits. But for me, it's a, it's about... Also, you know, doing something that I have to endure, I guess, every single morning, but the, it's the breathing for me. It's like being able to calm my breath in that cold water. And I find when I am not at my best, like when I am stressed, when I have a lot going on, maybe I'm not rested or maybe I'm not, you know, both of us have struggled with some, uh, some things in mental illness we'll talk about when I'm not in my best place, I have a lot harder time getting my breath under control in that water. It is so it's it's almost like a test, like a daily, like uh, I know you said you have a system of things you go through. We've talked about that a little bit before and hopefully we get into it today, but that's part of my system. It's like, I'm not right right now. I need to like bring my breathing down. I need to calm down. And this, so maybe that day, instead of going right to my computer and busting out, like getting on the screen, it might be that day instead of, it might be right to the uh, uh, meditation or just a book that has nothing to do with business and just bring my hours time with my children. You know that and put myself in a way better place to mark the day. So, so a lot of times that cold shower tells me if I'm going to go over it and just start crushing my business, or if I'm going to go and, and spend time on me. Absolutely, uh, and, and it's a great yeah. You're absolutely right. It's a great self assessment tool, 
And I don't think a lot of us do that. I don't think we take time to self-assess. Uh, we understand the base emotions. Okay, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm angry. Uh, but how often have we felt an emotion going, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not angry. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're, um, cause you're, you're manifesting it or you're showing it through your body language. And the beautiful thing about body language is bodies don't lie. We lie. We learn to lie, you know, uh, as children, you know, because you want to be polite, right? But your body never lies. So when someone's seeing an emotion from you, it's because you're depicting it. You're, you're providing that nonverbal language to someone else. But how often do we assess ourselves? Now, I do have PTSD. Um, when, I, when I was going through the initial stages of it, when I was starting to have an awareness that something was wrong with me, um, that ownership, that, that accountability of, okay, well, yeah, there is actually something wrong with me and there's something I need to do about it. There's not, there's, how do I deal with it? How do I, how do I get a metric, a baseline to understand I'm above the line or below the line? And if you ever get a chance, like Nancy McKay from KCEO Forums, she does a brilliant talk about being above the line and, and understanding how that line fits in your life. So if you ever get a chance, please de definitely listen, listen to that talk. But I assess not just once a day, I assess several times through the day. And then I communicate that assessment with my wife, who's also my business partner. And it's information. I'm not asking her to do anything about it. I'm not asking to be rescued, but it gives her the opportunity to now understand where I'm at, how she needs to shift gears, how I need to shift gears and where I need to be in terms of my performance of my, you know, for my clients. Yeah, I'll be absolutely. straight up with you. This morning wasn't a good morning. Okay. Bad sleep. Things weren't going well. Uh, cold shower, send, standing in the cold air going, yeah, this sucks. And podcast and yet, host puts you on the wrong link. <laughs> but at the end of the day, though, here I am. And because of that self-assessment, that ownership, I'm able to change gears for me and also do some self-care later. I know that I'm going to do some self-care for myself and help myself get to a better place. Yeah. And then, so if you take that even a step further, as you break that down and, and peel that apart, you've also the open communication with your one, it's almost like, so, I mean, wife and business partner, that's the same as us here at my house. Yeah. Um, and are there two more important relationships in your life? Like that you're going to like, you spend more time with the people at work than you do with your family. And we happen to work with our family. So it's even more important that you're making that honest self-evaluation to her because there's going to be days where like you said, like we teach ourselves to lie. You know, there's going to be days and you're, you know, you're a proud type A, just like me, where you're going to try to push through something and maybe yeah. not be completely honest, but you've given her that, like, we talked about the culture that we talked about just in like in the raid where that guy taps me on the shoulder and says, well, this is working. You've given her that also confidence to say to you, like, Hey, Sean, this isn't working today. Like what you're, you know, the way you're coming across the way you're speaking to me or, or your children or whatever, isn't working today. And then, you know, Danny calls me on that all the time too. And I think that is an underrated part of, uh, that whole self you know, self-check buddy check. Right. Yeah, and that's what yeah. you're doing with your wife or your business partner or the people you work with. It doesn't have like everybody thinks business and, and tactics, but this can be just the people that you see in the most, you know, the person that in the cubicle next to you, if you don't have a, le a true leadership position, everybody should be leaders, right? Everybody should be that leader. I agree. Matter of fact, I think right now, like 
I find that leaders get, especially the higher they go, uh, you get isolated as a leader. You're like on an island. It's very lonely at the top, as they say. Yes. And there's not a lot of peer groups or peers or people they can lean on because they have this misconception that they can't appear vulnerable. Well, here's a newsflash. You can't be courageous if you're not first vulnerable. They're, they're synonymous. There has never been a time that I've gone through a door that I wasn't genuinely frightened. There wasn't a time I haven't jumped out of a plane that I wasn't genuinely frightened. Fear is an honest broker. It keeps you honest. It, it forces you to self-evaluate and then rise. It can also cripple if you do not have, you know, have it in check, if you do not have an investment in yourself. Um, and back to communications, <laughs> the number one reason for conflict in the world from a global scale to you getting into a fight with your, your, your intimate loved one is the breakdown or the disruption of communication. Yeah. I mean, every single operation I ever did, no matter how successful yeah. debrief <laughs> communication, it was all, oh, it was there even, even in their best wins, you know, like, you know, and I, I'm going to say that, you know, it's coming up on Super Bowl that probably oh, the, yeah. The LA Rams, even though they just had a fantastic game, there was probably a communication breakdown that is listed in their debrief, you know, and even yeah. if they win the Super Bowl at 55 points, they will debrief that game and they yeah. will list communication. Some, at some point there'll be a communication breakdown between a positional player or coach, whatever it is. And that that's as soon as we accept that and know that that's going to be the problem, then work on it, like find the problem, fix the problem and make it better. I a hundred percent, you know, think about that and here. I think people really on our team at the the gym here, you know, I don't think they really worked at places like that before where there was the self-check buddy check kind of system, whether official or unofficial. And here I'm checking in on people. And now you see that they actually now recognize it in me and I'll get a message from somebody who's, you know, been here for a month. Like, Hey, have you seen, you didn't seem right today. Is everything okay? Let me yeah. know if you need anything. And like, how far does that go? You know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's amazing. It is. And I think that's our obligation as warriors. And a war doesn't make you a warrior. Actually, it's like I said earlier, it's your service. But you can't have a service unless you're serving something, a community, family, a circle. And I think that's what I miss the most about my past, our past, is that conflict and adversity has this way of bonding people. It, it has this way of connecting people at a very deep level. Two things bond people, conflict and food. I'm half <laughs> Portuguese and that's usually at the same time. So, uh, and there's something magnificent about that. So when you look like, and if you look at gyms and the way they've evolved, it becomes community. It's a shared struggle. It's, so we, what we've done now is we've leveraged our past and, and warriors, this is our responsibility is to leverage our past and contribute back into the overall society to help elevate it. Yes. That's our responsibility. But we, we think, you know, okay, thank you for your service. You're done. You're not done. I mean, the best way to get buy-in is to give, give roles and responsibilities. Like <laughs> in this gym, it's hilarious. I employ <laughs> people that pay me to be here. I employ them every single day. It's like, you know, hey, uh, you know, Sam, can you, can you take Sean through the ropes today? You know, look after him. Let me know if you need anything. And they are just so honored to take the new person on and show them what they've learned. 
Like, I don't have to sell the membership. You know, it, yeah. it, it's not done out of spite. It's done to make that person, give them the respect they deserve for being here so long and learning so many things. And, and then they have this incredible ownership of the place. And we've always found that, um, you know, during Christmas time, people have somebody come in from vacation. I don't, I don't want the $15 or the $30 drop-in yeah. fee. You know, I want you to be so proud that you want to bring your family here while they're home for yeah. Christmas. And yeah. you bring them here and I don't want the money. What's that $30 is not worth that feeling that this person, Sam, is going to have for bringing their brother-in-law in to show them off the gym that they're so proud of. It, exactly. that's, that's the basics of culture. And if you could just expand that to any business there of any size. Yeah, there. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Is that ex expansion. Okay. Uh, people, people will say, oh, that's a gym. No, a gym is a microculture. Okay, it's a microcosm of society. So is the military. So is the law enforcement. So is being a firefighter, first responder. Don't 100%. care. Okay, it's a microcosm. It's a subculture. And people love to belong. Even you could take the worst rebel and they'll belong to something. <laughs> okay. Um, and there's a power in that. And now, unfortunately, what we're seeing right now globally, uh, and not just in Canada, but globally, this um, radicalization of attitudes, okay? This deep polarization. Uh, if you're not with us, you are against us. Um, and what's really important is, okay, so let's have a differentiation and still support each other. That's yes. the key. And we need to get collaborative. We need to start making the bonds Okay, some people don't agree with the truckers in Ottawa. I personally do. Uh, I love the fact that they're there. However, because they are, according, you know, according to our society, they have a right to peaceful protest, just like anyone else. I live in Victoria. There's a peaceful protest here quite often. <laughs> okay, and so do it. Be peaceful. Be respectful. Carry on. Now, it's okay if you disagree with it, too. I, I gave up 12 years of my life, so you can disagree. So do it but do it respectfully, have a dialogue, go over there, talk to a trucker. So why are you here? And this is what I think. And, you know, let's exchange ideas and we still might walk away disagreeing, but how much more respect are you going to have for each other? Right. Taking the time to actually maybe understand where they're coming from. You know, yeah. like a person like you and I, like you talked about, you know, you gave up 12 years of your life fighting for freedom, like, right. And, and for me, the, the charter of rights was something I swore to Like, you know, yeah, I gave up my badge, but I didn't give up that oath. And that's still a huge part of me. And, it, and I truly believe that our freedoms, the charter of rights is being, is being violated. And so to listen to somebody who, you know, and we talked about experience and the scars, the scar on the helmet that you have. And, you know, like, so for me, if you you know, you went through school and then you went to university and then you started working at Starbucks, you know, like, where where is that scar coming from behind what you're saying so did you completely write off what this 43 year old man that you know says after my experience it, it's completely insulting and not proper right like the, i feel like this younger generation really needs to stop worrying about taking sides and worry about more of like getting themselves more experience and more education and experience can come through other i think people don't understand that is like you know if i uh, heard of a, of a team leader who did a raid in a certain manner and it didn't work. I'm not going to repeat that mistake. I gained experience through his experience or her experience. And the same can be said when it comes to your opinions. 
getting opinions from a variety of different sources and a variety of different experiences, you can now have experience in your own way, right? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a study. I'm trying to remember where it came from. Bear with me, because I usually like to be able to quote where the study came from. And it's a published study. Uh, and in it, it states, when you have three or more people of the same opinion, they attract more people of the same opinion and thus have a higher rate of radicalization in that opinion. Okay, so if you have a bunch of people saying one thing over and over and over again, it becomes such a belief for them that they will not entertain anything else. So that's why it's really important to have many voices come to the table. But here's the key, that thing that no one ever talks about. And people love to talk about those many voices coming to the table. As my grandfather used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth. <laughs> Listen <laughs> twice as much as you talk. So how about we bring all those ears as well? Why don't we bring that consciousness to the table, the respect and the dignity to listen and go, okay, this is what I think I heard you say. Am I close? And getting that understanding, because what I'm listening may not be what you're trying to say to me. And we're talking mirroring, right? Like yeah, these, mirroring, are, these, exactly, are, these are strategies yeah. that we learn in crisis negotiation. Yeah, I mirroring. mean, how many times as a young military guy, I don't know as a young cop, it was, uh, you'd get, he'd walk in and they're like, eyes open, ears open, <laughs> mouth shut, right? Like that, head, like head on we, a need, swivel. we need, yeah, we need more of that. Honestly, like we need a little bit more of that. Like we've become so soft where everybody's like, you know, you got this huge opinion, but you don't have the scars. Like get earn a couple scars, then start voicing, right? Like eyes open, ears open, mouth shut. And like, see how much, like you said, communication is active listening. It's number one, number one. You make somebody feel so good if you answer the question like how you did with that mirroring strategy. Like, yeah. so what you're saying is this. And, and they're like, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Simple paraphrasing goes a long way because it when people feel heard and felt, they engage. Matter of fact, there's a fantastic book on it. Uh, it's called Just Listen by Dr. Mark Goldston. Oh, He's a forensic psychiatrist, right. teaches FBI negotiators. Uh, the book's really beautifully written and that engagement that when people feel heard they're more apt to lean into you and go okay you're actually taking the time to hear me okay and no you may not have gotten it right so let me explain a little further and when we you get a person talking they they relax as we well know because if a perfect person really wants to pop you in the mouth they're just going to pop you in the mouth okay <laughs> but if you got a person posturing they're in the process of trying to control their scenario plus calm down. It doesn't look like it, but they're working on it. I'm a big fan of the open hand to the posturer. That was always one of my favorite <laughs> ones. Yeah. yeah, the open hand is very demeaning. It, it, sets, yeah. it sets the tone for the conversation. So I think in a real important thing that, you know, we have talked about before, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like bait you into this one. I know you're sure, going to hit not? it, is the, uh, uh, we talk about communication. This like, these negotiation tactics, they work in like just conversations like we're yeah. having. They work on this podcast. I use them all the time. Uh, if you listen to Joe Rogan, amazing interviewer, oh, yeah. uh, say what you want about his political views, amazing interviewer. And he does that. He really yeah. like uses the tactics behind negotiations, uh, business negotiations, uh, negotiations with your little kids. It works, all this stuff. So there's something that, uh, you know, you could say to me, your opinion, like whatever it might be, I believe in uh, vaccination. And I say, Oh, I understand you believe in vaccination, but, but, 
right? Yeah, that word, but is the ultimate open hand yeah. smack to the mouth. Like it is you've ruined, you've lost the person when you say, but yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you have baited me because I know exactly where I'm going with it <laughs> uh, because everything before the word, but was fluff. Yes. Everything after the word, but is your real intention. So, and a lot of, a lot of passive aggressive uh, manipulating manipulators use, but really well. Okay. La 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 la. But yeah, I understand bang, what you're saying. And then they, but... they hit you. So, uh, and it does, it derails a lot of conversations. Whereas, and back to the word and is collaborative. Okay. I hear what you're saying. And I think it might be this or, and have you considered this and draws a person in, but you're right. It's that it's a back, it's a, it's a backhanded comment. And the way you talk about your ease in the hand, it is such a backhanded comment yeah. because it offers argument. Right. I hear what you're saying, but you're wrong. That is what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but you're wrong. And not that, not that always a good but, conversation. Yeah, I, yeah, you're I, right. Yeah, you're right. But it's it, but it's antagonistic. Yes, that's a good and word uh, it's funny because I I got my a friend of mine a lovely gentleman, and I, we were having this very conversation, and he now however, <laughs> <laughs> however, and and words matter. Yes. Okay, and we've gotten in this habit of using very soft, fluffy words. And it, however, is this really nice de-escalating way of saying, but yes. however, okay. Cause, but has this really hard consonant sound on the T, but it's ends. It's that's the end. That's the line. Whereas however, it's softer. Uh, I tell people all the time, your words matter, especially if you're an educator, a trainer, a leader, key words can inspire people or deflate them. Okay, that's your influence is, is not only the words you're using, but the emphasis and the power of the words you're using. Yeah, and in your uh, emails, in your emails is yeah. a very good place. Like, um, I remember our first encounter, our, our first supposed to meet, it was planned for a month. You're a busy guy and I miss it. I just, I messed up. And I remember actually writing that email and taking the word but out of there. And it was like, because <laughs> this is going to come across as if like I everything I just said, like, hey. I know your time is important, but I forgot. Like, you know, he like, it's like, yeah. So I just basically said uh, bullshit on everything before I said, but so like the way, if you actually take the time and that's not my intention, but that is, it's going to be read and how you read it is completely up to you. So that's it. That's word it. it as particular as, as specific as you can, hoping that the reader reads it in the manner that you wanted to say it. Yeah. And that's why two dimensional conversation is so bad. Yes. Uh, that's why writers got to give a ton of, of credit to writers because they put all the right punctuation in all the right spots to get you to understand the emphasis and the tone of what they're trying to say. But we text and we email, we don't put any attention to care into that. So all of a sudden you can say something and some, no, three people will read it and three people will take it completely different ways. One of, one of those three people are going to be a little upset at you. And yet it was an innocuous statement. Okay. They right. may have had a bad day. They're, they're picking out that one thing, the emphasis on that one word that really by itself means nothing. So time and care um, in how we speak to each other, write to each other. Uh, always, I think that's the one thing. It's not that we don't do it. I just don't think we put a lot of awareness into it is the lens through which other people perceive us. Putting yourself in someone else's shoes, looking through their eyes, listening to the way they're listening to it 
Now that's next to impossible because you don't know everything about them. You don't know about their experiences that color their, their decisions or their thought patterns. But I think it's important to try. And I find that I communicate better with people that don't speak English. <laughs> you know, I'm being serious because they will work four times harder and so will I, and I'm picking four times just arbitrarily, right. to understand. How many times do we not listen to understand? We listen to reply. Yeah, you're just waiting for a break in the action to speak. Yeah, right? Yeah. So listen to understand. And, and it goes along a lot further. And if you don't know, ask the damn question. Okay, I'm not sure what you meant by that. Could you elaborate that a little more? Because I'm just, I'm not, re maybe I'm not reading it right. I take that ownership. It's about me. I Maybe I'm not the way I'm reading it right. Yep. What do you mean by this? Yeah, Using obvious language. Okay. I'm angry. People say, no, no, shh, you shouldn't say that. You don't, it's not okay to be angry. Yes, it is. Anger is a legitimate emotion, just as much as sadness and happiness. Uh, and the more you acknowledge it, the less it becomes a problem. Okay. As Colin Powell once said, and as you can tell, I, I quote him quite often because to me, he's my standard of leadership. He is like a hero to me. God rest his soul. And, uh, in one of his books, he says, it's okay to be angry, be angry, and then get on with it. He doesn't say get over it. He just says, get on with it. Yeah. And feel, feel the emotion, right? I mean, that's what letting go is like, that's a lot of what we, you know, you and I did to, to heal ourselves <laughs> in a way was feeling that that's what they make you do with PTSD is feel the emotion, feel the emotion, feel the emotion. right? It, it is pretty wild. And you like, I, I love some of the things you hit on there. I think those, it's just such I found that the podcast was like, did that for me. It's really helped me with my communication because I have to be like so intent on what you're saying so that one, I can ask a decent follow-up question or I can mirror it or I can send it to the right. Um, and also like, I don't want to ask something that you already answered in your, you know, like, you know, what, what, what was that? Like, well, you already said it. Like it's, you just, it really forces you to be in here and locked in in a conversation. I, that's what my favorite part of this podcast is this kind of conversation because it is so two way and I learned so much about it. And I feel like it's really transcending into me speaking to other people. It's just really good, good practice. Love what you said there, Ben. I, mean, I think you hit on so many things like that are so important with the listening and the waiting to reply and, and more people just doing that and more more bosses for lack of a better word if you want to be a leader not a boss is to actually listen to what they're saying and you know um the, the one thing that a little micronism or microsm well you know what the right word is that regardless you said three uh, you know two out of three people might read that the right way and i think that's what a problem with right now and maybe with the prime minister is he's not seeing is that okay we're he, obviously he wants people vaccinated whatever we're at 90 or 91%, if that's an insane amount of people saying, okay, that's almost alarming amount of people saying, okay, right? And that's what makes me worried about this, the strong arm and the dangling things over people to force them into their, right? That's what's going to cause revolt and dissent. When nine out of 10 people are just doing what you say, like that one, nine out of 10 people didn't agree. Nine out of 10 people did what you said. Like, so I think you have to be very happy with a 90%, like 90% anywhere. If, you know, if I hit 90% of my shots on the range, I'd be very happy if I'm pushing it. You know, if yeah. I had nine out of 10 uh, at bats in baseball, you know, that that's like, you'd be the best, best baseball player ever, right? Like nine yeah. out of 10 in a goalie is amazing. Like, that, like we're yeah. losing track, I think.
I agree. And it's also we're losing track of they also this is a free country. Hmm. I've been to countries in my time of service that were not free. I've had friends go to countries that were not free and, and them coming back and giving their their feedback on, on what they experienced. We take this for granted. And then all of a sudden, then we're we're teaching people, no, please feel free to take away the rights until they comply. Think about what that says. Yes. That is a dangerous, slippery slope. It's no, I don't want you to agree. And yes, you have the right not to, but also you get to live with the consequences of your decision. Right. And I don't care what you chose, vax, unvax, driver's license, no driver's license, vote, don't vote. People say, oh, if you don't vote, you don't have a right to complain. No, you do. It's still a free country. Okay. <laughs> I Last think the, I uh, <laughs> a lot of the immigrants uh, families that, you know, like we have a lot of Eastern European families in this, uh, in this area of Windsor. And to hear them speak about Bosnia and Serbia yeah. and some of the things that have gone on there and to hear them actually say like I, that they left those countries because they don't want to see you know they they don't want that as part of their lives anymore and to see that they're actually making reference people who actually lived in a, in a not free country yeah. to make reference that that's the direction that's how it started there that's yeah. that is scary scary stuff and that's now we're talking again now i'm listening to the opinion of somebody with a scar on their helmet yeah. and that to me goes so much further yeah uh, what's that old thing you don't know what you have until it's gone right well i'm not i don't feel like giving it away either Okay. Yeah. I, I have friends that are unvaxxed. I have friends that are vaxxed. Uh, family members sit in the same boat. I give, I don't admonish any of them. You are welcome in my home. Okay. Why? Because you need to be collaborative right now. You have to honor the choices that are being right, made. Exactly. You don't have to agree with them, but take the time to at least honor it. Okay. Because we have that privilege and it's not a right. Let's be clear. It is a privilege to be free. Men and women have died for that right on multiple battlefields, on multiple fronts. Even here in domestic Canada, people have put themselves out there to make sure people have that privilege. Okay, we have the privilege to sleep with whomever you like, have a relationship with anybody you like, to have a safe work environment, to have food on the table. So why would you want to take that away? Why would you want to punish someone for a choice they made? Now, if that if you've got that much fear, that, and that's what it stems down to, you've got that much fear that you need to control everyone to make yourself feel safe. Ladies and gentlemen, you're the problem. Yes, yes. So many of you, that, I, that is, I love that you said that. I would say, hey, like everybody in this room, in this gym, we are the problem. We are the problem. If you don't agree then why are you showing these passports? Why are you, because you want something in return. So if you don't agree with the passport, don't go anywhere and show your passport, right? Just don't go or, or you know, politely decline, whatever it is. If you agree, then show it. Like, you know, that's where you're just, if, if you're, you know, succumbing to the strong arm move, then, then you are and you're part of the problem if you're against that. Right. If you're not, then you're not part of the problem. You're 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 standing for what you believe in. So I, I think like people have, like it's I mean, extreme ownership. Right. I mean, it's a great book. It's a great way to look at life. We are all part of the problem in some way. So how can you be part of the solution? Exactly. Right. And I've said in many of my talks, uh, you know, the problem isn't the problem. It's your perception of the problem. That's a damn problem. <laughs> and when I led again, leading is a privilege, in my opinion. 
uh, and I love being a leader. Uh, I love the challenge of it, but I used to say to my people, and yet I'm saying that, my people, it's okay to come to me with a problem. You can bring me any problem, but you better have a solution in your hand, at least an attempt at a solution in your hand. It could be completely wrong. I don't care, but take the accountability and the ownership to come to me with a solution. We'll discuss it and come up with an action plan on that solution. Nine chances out of 10, their solution was the right one. Yeah. And it also stopped them from just pissing and moaning, excuse the vernacular, that bitching and complaining that there's no consequence to it. Oh, all of a sudden I'm accountable for coming up with a solution. Yeah. Bitching and complaining drops significantly. And it empowers people to go, hey, I know this is wrong, but I think I got a great idea. I just need someone to entertain it. Yeah. I th- I, and then the, how can you train your people to do that? It's so simple. It's the same with your kids. Like when they come in, like, and they ask it's homeschooling, I'm learning this in homeschooling and it totally applies to leadership scenarios. Cause you know, like sometimes you don't realize you're doing things that are, that are benefiting your culture until you hear somebody teach it. You're like, Oh man, that maybe that's why this is working for me. So here at the gym with the solutions or with the teams that I was on is like, when they come with a problem, it is like, what do you think we should do about it? And then they're like, Whoa, no, now they're going to come back to you. Right. And then the next time, maybe they come back and it's right away. Like it's a different problem, but they're presenting the solution right in advance. And you've already shifted their mind to be thinking when you shift to the, the solution, you're just so much more positive. And, you know, like, and you go into these, uh, you know, you're going into these businesses that obviously need some help or some, you know, development. And, you know, how many of them have that toxic problem, 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 problem. That's all we talk about is problems instead of the solution. It just changes things. And that how that comes back with homeschooling is my kids, when they come in like, Hey dad, why is, you know, why is the moon so big? Why do you think it's so big? Right? Like that's, that's how we're teaching it. And if we do that from the start and we do that with your team and that's constantly like consistency and follow through, it's, it's just going to all play in. It just ties in. We're spitting fire, man. This has been amazing so far. So I want to ask you one thing. I'm not yeah. asking you kind of like get you to talk about this because you're the first person that ever heard say it this way. And I just, it is stuck with me and I have, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've used it like 10 times since right. um, when we talk about trust, uh, trust oh. is earned, trust is earned. No, right. Let's, let's hear your take on that because I think it's beautiful and I, it has shifted the way that I think about this. Yeah. And this was one of those lessons where it's like, you know what, maybe that's why I'm doing some pretty decent things around here is because of what you said. So go ahead. Okay. Well, trust, it, it trust is a commodity and, and trust is valuable. When you trust something, somebody you invest in it, you, you don't just entertain it. You pour all of yourself into it. There's a bond in trust. That's why it's so fragile. So there's a lot of people that prescribe to the idea that, well, if you want my trust, you're going to have to earn it. Well, what the hell does that look like? Where's the <laughs> metric? Where's the, it's just an expectation. And the Sean Bacon definition of an expectation is an assumption without the benefit of communication. I expect you to know better. I expect you to be on time. Expected you to be a lawyer. The number one emotion tied with the expectation is disappointment. Trust should be given away. And there's a lot of people that don't like that. Give it away. Yeah, you're going to be vulnerable when you do that. You're putting your trust out there voluntarily. Here, take it. Now, it doesn't mean I lack common sense. It doesn't mean I stop paying attention to my, my threat cues or, or any you know, uh, indicators, you know, threatening indicators. But I'm going to give it away. And, you're only, and now it's your responsibility 
to take that sacred trust and hold it safe. It's your accountability and you're only gonna lose it once. And once you lose it, it's not coming back at all. Okay, because that's how fragile it is. Okay, it's like taking a soap bubble and watching it pop and then you taking all the droplets and trying to reconstruct the bubble. It's not gonna happen. But when you do give away trust, people invest their trust into you as well. It becomes really fluid between two people, more people. And when you have a bond of trust in a group, the action is profound, absolutely profound. Here's a good example. I had the privilege of working with the women's eight rowing team. Uh, I prepped them for Tokyo, uh, for the Olympics in Tokyo. Um, and they got the gold medal. And here's nine women. So not eight rowers and a coxswain uh, who pushes the pace, steers the boat. Very powerful women, really fantastic, accomplished athletes, and they know their craft. So I come in and say, okay, so what do you want? I say, well, what's the, what's the answer? I, we want a gold medal. Great. What do you need? What do you really need to do when you, you're going in a pandemic to a very restricted country who's scared as a culture and you haven't won this in 20 odd years, what do you need? I gave them three minutes to come up with the answer. Came, come back and they had it, you never see it. Usually I got them to do this two or three times, but they nailed it. They literally came together as a team and they said, we need to break the world record. Now they didn't break the world record, but they because their reach exceeded their grasp, they got the gold. Aim small, they, miss small, right? That's right. Aim small, aim small, miss small. And the beautiful thing, here's where the trust comes in. Eight women have to row in absolute synchronicity. You have to trust every woman in that boat. Every woman in that boat is doing exactly the same push, the same pull, the same twist, the same everything. A coxswain had to trust that she could push those eight women outside of their comfort zone and into a new, and actually into a zone of pain and discomfort and drive. She had to, they had to trust her to do that, make that commitment to them. And she had to trust them to execute on it. Gold medal. That's the power of trust. And when I talk about trust and people say, well, where's this all coming from? And I said, I've, had the honor of understanding trust at a very different level. When you can trust someone in the dark with a firearm at your back with the safety off, you trust someone with your life explicitly. That level of trust is addictive, it's powerful, and there's nothing you can't do without it. Yes. Yeah, I, you know what, when I come out to these blast camps, like having done, you know, that very same thing with so many people, and you know, the trust with the firearms and, and that feeling of, you know, I mean, we like to say muzzle control and, 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 you know, lines of sight and all these things, but sometimes in a house, you know, if you're going through the, a, a ghetto house, there are going to be times when you cross a muzzle, whether you want to admit that or not, yeah, all the people true. listen to this bullshit, if you say it doesn't happen, it happens, <laughs> it right? Happens. And you are absolute trust. And when we run these blast camps with a bunch of guys who've never acted in that manner, right? They might have handled guns, but most hunters don't do things though. Like you're not walking in a line. You're not like one person kneeling with the other person over top. When we just simply 
take them from instead of shooting on the in the range one at a time and we actually line them up six across and have them fire together and they're not even like they're in a they're in a very safe line it's very safe the bond that they have that happens within seconds. Like I'm telling you, the second that that line is over and they start to go to load their next mag or maybe onto the next revolution of our course, there is a dynamic shift. Is that like without like plugging <laughs> you, but there's a dynamic shift in the way that they they bond. These are these were strangers yesterday. They yeah. did that one little dangerous thing, kind of dangerous, not even that dangerous, but out of their comfort zone. And the way that they are, like so now, if you took that and you apply that to your business you know, to your, uh, you know, your relationship, your friendships, man, just do something like that and watch what happens. It's crazy. It, and, it is. It, and it's important that trust is a bit blind. It doesn't need to be deaf, dumb and stupid, but it is important. That's a little blind. Right. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Uh, and you're not saying give away trust in the means that this person that like, once they get onto my team, they've obviously, I've given them some trust to bring them on the team, but they met, you know, my values, they met my, my, you know, some of the other things that I needed them to meet. And now the next step of giving them a little bit more trust and giving them more trust. It's not like if I trust to be in the same room with you, then now I need to trust to give you responsibility and tasks and roles and, you know, and, and responsibility of me, of this little business of whatever it might be. So that's, that's for sure. I don't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. Think about it. A lot of leaders and the reason they don't delegate. Yeah. They don't trust their people to actually lead. And leaders create more leaders, not more followers, as the old saying goes. And you sooner or later, you're gonna have to take you can't take a half step out of an airplane. Okay, you can't take a half leap off a cliff. You have to commit to it. That's trust. Okay, here you go. Here's your I want you to lead. I need you to do this. Go. Okay, it doesn't mean you won't be concerned or worried. And by the way, I happen to believe worry is absolutely wasteful. But at the end of the day, when you do give it away, people rise. They, they'll, they'll rise. And yes, there's some people out there with malintent that will take advantage of it. Good scar tissue for you. Yeah. Good learning for you. But don't let it jade you. I've, I've been betrayed. I, I've been lied to. It doesn't. I will not allow that to change the way my modus operandi. Who would lie to a policeman? Yeah, a exactly. military policeman. Come on. There is. <laughs> <laughs> like come on <laughs> like i've never lied to my mom when i was a teenager uh, yeah uh, <laughs> oh my god well man this has been absolutely oh. under outstanding like my i can't hurts. thank you enough <laughs> uh, yeah i'm smiling i think like anybody who listens to this is going to get a ton of value i think that was a great way to kind of kind of close it out there was with that and uh, but, but like from a personal note uh, you taking the time to, uh, so Sean's been kind of mentoring me, uh, not kind of, has been mentoring me and coaching me. And uh, just you taking the time to do that when we literally did not know each other 60 days ago just means the world to me. And uh, the knowledge, I, I just love how we vibe. I love the conversations we have. I love learning from you. You got a lot to offer, man. And I think like your purpose and your mission, uh, it just stands out. And I think that's I, I don't know, but I would say that that's probably why you've been so successful and why your business has grown so much. So congratulations. Thank you very much. And it's been my honor. Uh, surround yourself with great people. And that's what I'm doing. That's why you're here. I'm surrounding myself with great people. I appreciate that very much. So that'll be the end of this one. I'm just going to read in and we want to make sure everybody knows some great people. We want to speak with some great people. Murray Insurance. 
Every episode of Tangle One Podcast is sponsored by them. They are OGs of mine from the Kingsville Gym and Ontario's number one ranked Desjardins insurance agency by their clients. Uh, they have they are the experts in their industry with a combined over 100 years of experience. They have the best customer service and they focus on community. We talk about uh, values. They employ local team members and invest back in Essex County, which is hugely important to me. And I know it is to anybody who listens to the show. So give their team a call today or send them a text at 519-733-2331. Or you can go next door to the garage gym. There are neighbors there and check them out. Now's the time to do more and be more. 